Good morning. That was terrible. Good morning. Um, I'll just meet you where you're at. I'm not going to ask for more. Um, what you just saw was a promo of uh, uh, something that we're going to be doing. Um, we just felt the need to just kind of have an increased focus on just discipleship and uh, um, cultivating just kind of new faith, new believers. And so we have this awesome opportunity. Uh, we're going to start with just kind of a, the broader kind of um, avenue of just Sunday school. So we're going to have a Sunday school class. So if you um, feel new to your faith, if you have questions about what you believe, uh, anything like that, this is for you. Uh, you'll have a book, um, and it'll, it'll, uh, it'll be a Sunday school class, but there will also be a lot of weekly things for you to do to just kind of, uh, just kind of uh, meet Christ uh, in a new way as you kind of start your new faith or as you have questions answered. So we're really excited about it. Hopefully down the road, um, it'll take much more of a kind of a direct uh, approach, and um, uh, we might even team up uh, just older believers with younger believers kind of thing so that uh, people just don't just get, you know, just kind of the logistics of what it means to be a believer, but they get uh, the life experience of it um, directly from somebody who, who knows it well. And so that's kind of our heart, uh, our heart be behind it. But if you are interested in the Sunday school class, there's a sign-up table um, just back there. Just put your name on that, and uh, we'll keep you posted on everything coming up. And uh, we're really excited about this opportunity, so hopefully uh, you'll join us in that. And kind of speaking of that, just kind of this Christian life, you know, uh, it's been a crazy week uh, around this ministry. Um, many of you are aware um, that we've just had uh, just two beloved people just kind of go to be with the Lord. They're home now. And uh, uh, Brett had a, had a heavy load on him uh, this week, just kind of coordinating that and making all that happen. And uh, that's the reason I'm up here, whether you like it or not, just to, just to help with the load. Um, but amidst all of that, I, I can confidently say that there's just nothing more encouraging um, than going to a service uh, a memorial service for somebody who, who loved Jesus and is now with him. Like, that's just, it's just encouraging. It takes a lot of work and effort, yeah, I know, to, to get there. But, man, just sitting in there, just hearing about the faith of these people who decades before me were, were active in this walk, you know what I mean? And uh, uh, to just see lives um, just, just moved and impacted uh, by, by their witness and their ability to, to live towards Christ, Okay. And so that helps us today, because we're going to be in Acts chapter 11. And in Acts chapter 11, um, the word Christian is used for the first time in all of scriptures. It's only used three times throughout all of, all of the scriptures, okay? Once here, once in Acts 26, and another time in 1 Peter 4, I believe, okay? So it's not, it's not an overly used word, okay? But I think we can all agree that the term Christian today is, is pretty diluted, right? Um, the world has some very interesting perceptions of what it means to be a Christian. Am I right? Very interesting uh, perceptive on that. We're going to talk about that, but uh, first, let's just jump into Acts chapter 11. While you're getting there, let me recap for you a little bit. Last, last week, Acts chapter 10, okay? Uh, the apostle Peter receives this vision from Jesus, and it's this sheet, and it's got all these animals on it, you know? And, and Jesus says, Go ahead and eat, you know, and, uh, and, and, and Peter is like, I can't eat something that's not clean. And Jesus is like, don't call something unclean that I have made clean or pure, okay? Um, and the point of all this is that 
I guess kind of before, it's kind of, it's kind of ironic because, um, you know, it was prophesied since like Isaiah uh, that, the, that, that the gospel would be open to the Gentiles, that the Spirit would be able to come to the Gentiles, right? Even if you aren't Jewish or whatever, you could still have a, a vibrant faith and hope and life in Christ, okay? But for whatever reason, Jesus is using this opportunity with Peter to just kind of give him that that like umption to just get going you know what I mean don't just preach to the Jews but also preach to the Gentiles the gospel is for everyone all right so that vision happens and you read about this thing where Peter and Cornelius you know it all happens these are Gentile guys and and people and the spirit comes upon them okay and so next step is he's going to go start talking about this to all of the you know other believers right so in Acts chapter 11 that's where we pick up all right verse 1 The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. All right? Um, This is weird to me, okay? Because it's Acts chapter 11. Up to this point, it's very possible that we have just kind of this really high view of the apostles, the disciples, right? These believers, uh, they, they, they met together frequently. They were in motion. Um, they uh, more and more being added to their numbers. They were even in, like living it out in the face of persecution. And then right here, we're reminded that they're still human beings. They're still imperfect and they still struggle with their old kind of sinful nature selves, Right? Instead of being at all excited about the potential and possibility and what should have already been a very clear um, truth that that the gospel was going to be going to the Gentiles, right, and being excited about that movement of the Spirit, instead their response is, what in the world are you doing eating with unclean people, right? Almost pharisaical. They they revert back to their their Jewish just kind of uh, indoctrinated ways, right, very strict, very religious. They just revert back in a moment, right, and, and, and they miss what God is doing, okay? But there's hope, okay, because the Spirit is there. The Spirit is among these believers. And if you fast forward verse 4 through 17, Peter's just basically just building the case. This is what happened, right? This is what happened to me in Acts chapter 10, okay? And this is their response. When they heard this, they had no further ob- uh, objections, and they praised God, saying, So then God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. All right. Um, It's funny how so often our kind of old self pops up, right? Can we all just be real for a second? Uh, Maybe even this week, even if you've been a believer for 35 years or whatever, you probably had little moments in the flesh. Am I right? Uh, Something ticked you off, something just just, uh, affected you the wrong way, and your immediate response was just purely fleshly. Okay, um, and if you didn't experience that, then, then praise God uh, for the perfection of you. You know what I mean? Uh, because for me, that happened. Okay, and so when that happens, what's wonderful about the Spirit is that the Spirit runs deeper than flesh. Okay, so we have these pop ups, we have these little impulsive things, that's sure. But the work of the Spirit is to get us back into a place among the believers where there is no objection and we can praise God together. Okay, that's exactly what happened uh, in, in Acts 11. At least these people were open, right? They received what Peter had to say. Um, they saw the work of the Spirit because of what Peter was saying, and they say, okay, we're on board, right? The Spirit is for the Gentiles, and this is going to be a part of our mission now. It's not just for the Jews, it's for everybody. By the way, as far as I know, everybody, 
in here is a Gentile. So praise God that this happened, right? Um, because, because it is through this, it is through this message, it is through this hope that we have it. And it's through faith that we have it, okay? So that's Acts 11, that's verse 1 uh, and 2. Fast forward, okay, to verse 19, all right? We're going to fast forward uh, to verse 19, um, and we're going to kind of, I'm going I'm to try to be understandable for you, okay, because we're going to read some scripture, and then we're going to kind of work backwards, all right? So, so listen to this. We're going to read 19 through 26. Keep it all in your noodle, and then we're just going to, we're going to work backwards, okay? Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, telling the message only to Jews, all right? Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went um, to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, Greeks or Gentiles, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the spirit uh, and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. You guys remember Saul, right? He's the apostle Paul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people, and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Okay, um, this is a very intriguing passage to me, and mainly because of that last verse, right? The church, um, the, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So I have a feeling the author Luke um, is intentional about this, right? He's, he, he's pointing us to something. There's something going on in Antioch that, that was worthy of, of the title Christians, okay? So I want to talk about that because the term Christian is, is pretty general, right? I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's you're in Christ, you're of Christ, you're part of the Christ group. You know, that's what it means to be a Christian. But I assure you that the outside perception uh, is much broader and much more diluted, and it takes a lot of different forms, okay? For example, let's just talk about just doctrine. Let's just talk about belief for a minute, all right? Within the, the, the context of the word Christian, uh, as, as people see it from the outside, there's a facet of it. There's a perception of it um, that is totally just kind of contradictory, right? Because we are here and we stand firmly on the belief that Jesus is the second part of the Trinity. He is God. Uh, they, they are in a triune relationship, right? Uh, that it is through, uh, by grace through faith that we have been saved through him and his blood shed on the cross, Okay, we stand firm on these truths, okay? But also under, the, under the, uh, the perception of Christian as people on the outside see, here's what else you can find that is taught within, the Christ, within what people know as Christian, okay? Here's what else uh, uh, people are teaching, that Jesus, was, that Jesus was not exactly God, but he was created by God, right? And is inferior to God, okay? People teach that uh, within uh, Christianity, as people know Christianity. Jesus was not God, but he was just a prophet, just a prophet from God, um, that he didn't fulfill the, the entirety of the scriptures, okay? Um, that the Spirit is the full manifestation of God now. So God was God in the Old Testament, God was Jesus in the New Testament, and God is the Spirit now to us, okay? There's no trinity there, it's just that's how he is specific in each 
kind of time period. All right? Um, people teach that the Bible is incomplete and fallible. Okay, we stand on this as kind of the ultimate truth. It's a bit contradictory, except we can all be considered Christian, right, um, from the outside. Um, good deeds and tradition are necessary to salvation, all right? Uh, that Jesus promises a healthy and wealthy and prosperous life if you just pray enough and give enough, all right? All of these are teachings within what people know as Christianity, okay? And that's just one aspect of just kind of the delusion and, and the... Uh, uh, just kind of the, whatever it is, just that, that the broadness of Christianity. That's just one delusion. There's another one, right? People see Christianity as just purely just surface level, right? It's just these little acts of, little acts of righteousness here and there. They're momentary. They're not for they're anything big, right? I frequently have these conversations with, like, young adults and, and high schoolers. You know, they're kind of in that phase where they're, you know, just kind of looking for love, whatever. You know what I mean? We, we, we all need it. We all want it. And, uh, and so in attempt to just kind of meet new people and that kind of stuff, every once in a while they come across that special guy or girl. You know what I mean? And my favorite question, as many of them know, is like, okay, cool, are they a Christian? You know what I mean? Do they align with you in regards to what you believe about God and stuff like that? And far too often, this is the response I get. Yeah? I mean, she prays and stuff. Or, yeah, I mean, like, she goes to church whenever, like, you know, she goes home for the weekend or... um, you know, yeah, I mean, we, we, we've talked about God before. You know, like that's the stuff. That's the stuff that comes out, right? Um, and and you've got to believe that, that even broader than that, even outside of just kind of believers, like people just see Christianity as just this base level. You know, Christians go to church. Christians donate money. Christians pray before meals. And that's a Christian. That's a Christian. Okay, super surface level, not much to it, Right? Okay, that's just, an, that's just another aspect, this, this broadness, this delusion of what the term Christian means. There's another one, okay? Um, by the way, I'm, I'm mentioning a few because I tried to summarize it in a sentence and I just couldn't do it because the perception is so broad. It's so vast, you know what I mean? Um, the best way I could summarize this is just that Christianity is just kind of this narcissistic endeavor, Okay, now bear with me, um, you know, don't, don't get offended at all, but just think about what the outsiders see looking in, you know what I mean? Uh, just think about what the world sees, right? Some really nice people, dressed really nice, getting out of their nice vehicles to go into a nice church where they do God knows what, right? And then they go out into the week uh, to their own sports leagues and to their own school systems and listen to their own radio stations, Right? They don't cuss, they don't drink, they don't smoke, they don't do any of this stuff. And the end result is their perception of us is that we are better than them. We are better, we don't associate with you, we do our own thing. Right? That's the end result, that's the perception. And even though all of these things are good and I partake in pretty much all of them, okay, there's got to be more to it than that. There's got to be more to it than that. Because I don't blame people for seeing that in the church today. Too often, right? Too often that summarizes us, and there's not much depth beyond that, okay? In Acts chapter 11, okay, these people were at work, and they were doing things that earned the title to be called Christians, okay? And everything that they're doing and everything that marked them runs deeper than anything surface level, and it stands upon the solid, solid truth of God's word, all right? Um, That's what they were doing, 
And so we're going to look at that. We're going to look at what they were up to that so um, brought on this term Christian, right? They were first called Christians in Antioch, all right? So Acts chapter 11, uh, that feels just like a like another intro, doesn't it, into the sermon today, but we're actually going to read the Bible now. So um, uh, in Acts chapter 11, looking from just kind of an overview, okay, the first thing that we can see about this church in Antioch um, is that the word, right, the word is active. The word is active, okay? Um, if you start in verse 1, the apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard the word, uh, or heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. Okay, so there's just kind of the first little uh, nugget there. Uh, Verse 20, um, it says, As these men went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. In verse 26, kind of halfway through the verse, it says, For a whole year Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. Okay, so throughout all of this, you see the the word at work. Okay, it's the word that uh, compelled believers to go there and start preaching to them. Uh, it was the word that they spoke of Jesus whenever they were declaring the good news. And it was the word that they taught to deepen these believers. Okay, it's the, it's the word in motion. Hebrews 4, um, as, as many of you know, it tells us that the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Right, that's stuff that no pastor, no person could ever divide for you. The word can, though. All right, the deepest parts of you. Second Timothy three says that all Scripture is God breathed uh, and is useful for teaching and rebuking uh, and correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All right, both of these are at play. Both of these are active. Both of these are definitely part of what the Antioch believers were up to. Right, the word was running them. They, they were teaching it. They were living in it. Okay? The idea is that we be in the word. Right? We be in the dirt. We say it over and over again in this ministry because it's a core value of ours because we get it from this. Is that you cannot know God. You cannot be in a vibrant personal relationship unless you are in this. Okay? It says a lot that you're here and submitting yourselves and your will unto the word. You know, if you are able to look past the distractions, right? Um, some of you have been in the faith much longer than I have. So, you know, you might come out of here today just thinking that was, that was cute. You know, I remember when he was 12. He's, that's cute that he's up there preaching. You know, let's not be distracted by the word, right? By the word, don't be distracted. So, um, so, so our, our goal is to be in this daily, to be in it outside of this morning, to be in it outside of Wednesday nights, which, by the way, Wednesday night, family night, all age groups, we're going to open up the word together. Okay, there's something for you uh, that is definitely uh, uh, something put in place to encourage you into God's word. But you need this. You need this between you and him. You and your wife, you and your husband need to go to him in this. Okay, because he has things for you that he's not necessarily always going to say through somebody else. He might want to tell you directly through this. Okay, you need this. All right, so the word is active. The word was active among them. Okay, so we're going to jump into 25 and 26 now, okay? So like I said, we're going to kind of work our way backwards, 25 and 26, and we'll just go ahead and focus on the end of 26. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch, all right? Um, you might think this is a stretch, but, but uh, something else that was going on in Antioch among these believers that kind of so earned them the title of Christians is that not only was the word active, but that their belief, what they stood on, ran much deeper than culture, 
okay? It ran much deeper. And the reason we know this and take this away is because of that word called. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch, okay? Um, this is Christian, right? That term is not something that we gave to each other. That was something that was given to us, right? It was something that was given to these believers, you know, in the New Testament, believers called each believers, you know, brothers, sisters, believers, um, you know, brethren, uh, beloved. You know, that's what they're referred to. They don't call each other Christians, right? That's a term that the outside gave to them. They're Christians, okay? And it's not like an elevated term. It's, it's completely derogatory. Christian is completely derogatory. To, to understand that a little bit, you think about Antioch. Okay, Antioch is very similar to Corinth. Uh, you could find anything in Antioch, this city that, that they were at. Okay, you could, be, you could find complete moral laxity on everything, you know what I mean, and be fine. Or you could go worship false gods through cultic prostitution. You know what I mean? You could, you could do anything you wanted in that city. Okay, very broad, very, very diverse, very big. Okay, and so I have a feeling that Christian was probably not the most creative derogatory term they gave to people who stood against that because of what they firmly stood on according to truth, right? They probably came up with a lot worse, right? But Christian was something that identified them, but it was derogatory, okay? In Acts chapter 26, uh, you see this term used again when uh, King Agrippa, um, uh, the apostle Paul is standing before him. He's been arrested for preaching the gospel like usual, and so he's giving his defense to, to the king, right? And as he gives his defense, he starts preaching the gospel, which he usually did, okay? And Agrippa's response to him is, is in a nutshell, do you really think that you could convert me to be a Christian in such a short amount of time? Right? Very cocky, very sarcastic. Do you really think that you could pull this off? You know? Paul's response is basically, I'll, I'll pray for you, dude. Um, I, I hope this connects with you at some point. Because if you've ever talked to somebody who comes to that resolve, there's not much more you can say. All you can do is pray. You know what I mean? That's his response. Do so you really think that you could convert me to Christian, he knew what he was up to, and again, he uses it very derogatory, right? It's a put-down. Um, he's not up for that, right? Um, think of it this way. Right now, if you lived in northern Iraq, northern Iraq and you were a Christian, okay, the possibility of you uh, being labeled a Christian is pretty high, right? So ISIS would come by your house, and if they saw that you were a Christian, what they might do is, is write a big Arabic in on your home, spray paint it in red or something, okay? Uh, basically, uh, the N stands for Nasara, which is their word for Nazarene. So they'll come by, mark your house, this is a Christian house. And at that point, you as a Christian living there, you have four options, okay? You can either convert, or you can pay a ton of money, or you can leave, or you can die. Okay, those are their options. And, and that's what's going on there, okay? And they have... They have this word for them, Nasara. They're Nazarenes. It's derogatory, and there's consequences to it. Okay? That's more like what the word Christian is meaning here in Antioch. Right? This isn't an elevated term. All right? And by the way, if we're talking about standing on truth, and if we're talking about our belief running deeper than culture, you are going to have more and more and more and more opportunity to do this. Okay, because culture uh, is not backing down, and we are going to have to stand firmer and firmer and not get swayed with the trends. All right? So if you're here, and if you hold to biblical marriage, and if you hold to creation, and if you hold to this word as truth, then you're going to get name-called. 
Right now, the popular ones are that you're, you're intolerant or you're uneducated, right? Or you're just a bigot, you're judgmental, right? It's going to happen, and it's going to keep happening, especially as you stand against it, right? As the flow keeps going, you stand firm in what he said, and this stuff is going to happen, all right? It's going to happen, but do we stand? Does our belief, does our doctrine, does, does our faith in him stand against the current, regardless of how strong it is? Right? In Antioch, they were. They were. It earned them the name Christian. And I love the word and how it just it speaks to us in 1 Peter 4. It says, this is what Peter's saying. He says, however, if you suffer as a Christian, right, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Praise God that you bear that name. You know, if they write an N on your door, right, praise God that you are Nasara. Praise God uh, that people will call you what they will call you because you stand firm in the faith, okay? Uh, I love how the word just speaks into that, all right? Moving backwards, verse 22, um, uh, we've seen the word is active. We've seen uh, that, that belief runs deeper than culture. Uh, we're also going to see this in verse, um, let's just jump to 23. When he arrived, when Barnabas arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them to all remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. All right? So even beyond all these things, these believers in Antioch were, were, were living out this evidential grace. All right? It was grace on display. And a lot of times through scripture when you're talking about evidence of kind of who you are, right? The, what reveals our true nature, fruit is the word. Right? Jesus said in regards to the disciples and also in regards to false teachers that people will know you by your fruit. People will know you by your fruit. And if you're curious what those are, jump over to Galatians 5 where the fruits of spirit are laid out for you. And you have, you have the evidences of faith or the absence of those as the evidences of, of, of just kind of falsity. You know what I mean? Um, fakeness. All right? But here in Antioch, grace was evident. It poured out. All right? I don't know a really good example to use to, to display this. So, so we'll just talk about the previous one I used. Right? The more you stand against the current, the more you're going to start getting name called, the more you're going to ha- start getting, um, you know, opportunities to kind of live out this grace, right? So the idea is that when that thing does happen, when you stand, right, in your faith and you have that confrontation and you do get called uneducated or bigoted or judgmental or something like that, what's your response? What's your response? Because we'll have a wonderful opportunity right there to respond in the flesh for a moment, Right? That'll be our inclination. Maybe temper, maybe anger. Uh, maybe, you know, just hand in the face, just get out of my face. Maybe uh, you, you might hold a grudge or you might be embittered towards that person. Who knows, right? Let's take that off the table. Let's just take the Christianity off the table. We all experience junk in this world, right? Everything, everything has its catches, right? There is a lot of trial. There is a lot of trouble. You, there's afflictions. There's burdens. There's things that we feel like we deal with that we don't deserve, Okay, all of that stuff. How do you respond to those things? Because all of those things will yank on your flesh, your fleshly impulses as well. Okay, evidential grace is letting the Spirit speak in those places. All right. Um, yesterday we had a memorial service for Rosie Halter. Um, one of the resounding things that I heard about Rosie, I got to experience this a little bit um, as I spent some time with her as a kid, you know, before her, her body and mind started failing, 
But I heard over and over and over again that she uh, had the incredible ability to keep the peace. The incredible ability to keep the peace. She never spoke ill um, of anyone. And even when there could have been tension or an argument or something, just by her presence, right, just by her demeanor, she was able to keep the peace and joy in a situation. All right? Um, that's, that's special. That's spirit. That's spirit moving. That's evidential grace. Right? And, and the idea is that we are not some sort of pie-in-the-sky Christians, you know, just kind of living this perfect life. It's the realization that when you are in view, right, when you life, live your life in view of the grace that God has given you, then there's just a whole lot less in this world to be bitter and angry about. There's just a whole lot less. And when you're not in view of that and what you've been forgiven of, then you're going to be much more easily tempted to be bitter and angry at other people. And that's just the reality of it. Evidential grace runs deeper than that. Okay, and it marked these believers. And lastly, um, jumping back to verse 21, okay, lastly, what marked these believers as Christian. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned. Okay, this is how people initially responded to the word uh, when it was brought to them. And it says that they not only believed, but that they turned. Okay, Um Romans 10.9 says that if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, uh, if believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, uh, the dead you'll be saved. All right? The idea is that we don't just believe and call ourselves believers and that it's all just completely verbal. Right? The idea is that this is somehow actual. Okay? The spiritual kind of lingo for this word is, is repentance. Repentance literally means to change the way you think, to turn the way you think from one thing to him, right? We're all in motion before we know Christ. We're all moving. We're all just kind of going along with the current. And, and at some point when we come to that realization of his love for us, right, and we put our belief in that, then, then he turns us. So we're not looking at the current. We're not flowing with the current. We're focused on him. We set our minds on him. We set our hearts on him, right? It's a common message in the New Testament, but it's often disregarded. Repentance is probably the most underrated, um, underpreached value of the Christian life, right? So many people live as though, like, gave my life to Christ, I repented once, what, what, what else do I need to do? You know what I mean? I don't need to do anything uh, about this current uh, sinful habit that I have going on in my life, right? Once saved, always saved. What's the need to repent? What's the need to bring my sin before him and humble myself before him, Right? That, that, that's how people approach this sometimes. Repentance requires turning. And let me tell you, we overthink this way too much. We overthink this way too much. Um, more than likely in a room f- of this size, there are people, uh, probably all of us, right, who are pr- verbal believers. We love Jesus, at least, we, at least enough to come to church on Sunday and just kind of check it out and see what's going on. But what we don't know, what I don't know, what most people in here don't know is at what level, right, um, things, at what level the darkness kind of takes you over, right? When you're by yourself, when you're alone, right, at what level does, does the spirit beat out the flesh in your heart, in your mind, in, in, that, in that struggle, right? Turning is a reference to that struggle. It's a reference to that to that battle where you're focused, you know, you, 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 are, you have the sinfulness in view, and it's time to turn. It's time to turn 
based on what the Spirit is moving, based on what the Spirit is saying in your heart. All right? We overcomplicate it, okay? Um, too often we sugarcoat it, right? We, we veil it with like this battle, like, this, like there's some sort of big spiritual war thing going on when, when turning just means to be done with it, right? If, you're, if your smartphone is like the leading tempter in your life, Quit sugarcoating it by saying, you know, well, I use it for my calendar. And, uh, you know, I got to keep up with, like, social media and all that kind of stuff. Just throw it out. There's these things called planners. You know what I mean? They're made of paper. They got, like, slots on it where you can write your events. That, that, that'll do the job, right? And you will be okay if you're not on social media every 20 seconds. You'll be fine, okay? What's, what's, what's the risk? You're only going to be helping yourself to just turn, Okay, don't, don't, don't go into this weird um, spiritual battle like, it, like there's something, you know, uh, going on. Like, it, just, just turn, just turn. Throw your phone out. Get rid of it. Flip, they still sell flip phones, right? You don't have to deal with it, right? Um, if, if you struggle with just this idea of just kind of modesty, at what level do I need to, should I present myself? At what level do I rely on the perception of others to feel fulfilled, right, and to feel good about myself, at what level, uh, at how far is too far, right, as far as how much skin I show or any of that kind of stuff. Just cover up. Just turn the way you're thinking about this. It's not that hard because you're only going to be helping yourself and you're only going to be blessing that special guy or girl that God has for you by covering yourself up. That's, it, it is very, very simple, but we in our minds attempt to justify things because we are very good at justifying things for a moment in our human brain. We're very good at it. What needs to happen is to turn. Okay, if your attitude is just super poor to your wife and you know it, don't over-spiritualize it. Turn. Turn. Okay? If you're living in some sort of weird thing that you know is just off, maybe it's an attitude or maybe it's just a very sinful habit that nobody else knows about. Okay? My guess is that if you are in Christ, the Spirit's already told you what you need to do. So you're either going to do it or you're going to keep living in this figmented spiritual battle, right? You'll bring it up as a prayer request here and there, but, you'll, but, but all that does is just kind of justify it still being a part of your life. Turn. Turn. Okay? The best example I've heard of this, and I'll, I'll close with this. Uh, there's this guy named Ricky Jenkins. He was a pastor. He still is a pastor. And he spoke at this men's conference that we were at. And so he had the story, he was working out, you know what I mean? I don't really know what that is or entails, you know, I don't do it that much. But he was working out, he was in the gym, and I guess, you know, uh, that is a very popular place um, uh, to be tempted, especially for a guy, right? Because for some reason to work out, you have to wear the tightest clothes possible, which seems to constrict, you know, and limit your flexibility, but I, whatever. So you, you wear tight clothes, you know, you go, you go to work out, and so if you're a guy, you're going to get tempted with your eyes. I mean, it's just probably going to happen. And so he starts talking, he's a pastor, and he starts talking about how he's working out, and, and this girl walks in, you know, and, and she's, she's got tight clothes on, and so already that little fight's going on in his head, oh man, what am I going to do, what am I going to do, you know? Sure enough, she, she, she finds her place uh, on the treadmill right in front of him, you know, and so he's just staring at her, working out, he's like, what am I going to do, what am I going to do? He starts praying in his head, you know, how do I get past this, how do I get past this? You know, and he's got this fight going on in his head. And he said, he started praying about it, and the Spirit just slapped him in the brain and said, turn around, fool. So he turned around. And guess what? When he turned around, he wasn't looking at her anymore. Like, that's the simplicity 
of turning, right? For some reason, we and our brains will go through that spiritual fight in our brains for years and years and years before we decide to just let the Spirit run us and turn. And that, that is not how the Antioch believers were, were doing it. That is not Christian worthy, okay? People will not see that and think, man, that dude is just changed by grace, right? That's the idea, right? The heartbeat behind this is not judgmentalism at all or anything like that. The heartbeat behind this is that we as believers and as a body, we go deeper, right? That it doesn't stop here, that it doesn't stop at surface level things, but that we go deeper and that we fall more and more in love with him. And as we do that, that grace will more and more become a part of our lives and will bleed into the lives of other people. And so that this made-up perception of Christianity will finally have some, some, uh, some emblems of truth within it. Now that dude is a Christian. That dude is a real Christian, okay? Based upon this, that's what we want people to say, right? And even if they mean it derogatory, praise God. Praise God that you bear that name, okay? Let's stand on this. Don't be swayed. Don't be tempted. Um, or you'll be tempted, but don't, don't give in, okay? And if today you just need to turn from something, then this is, this is all here for you. This is your day, all right? And if you are not a believer, if you don't know Jesus Christ, then we're starting here, right? Because all of this talk about the evidence of grace and uh, just being driven by the word, all that stuff doesn't make any sense to you because you don't know him, okay? But the answer is still the same for you. Turn. Today is your day to turn, okay? And I guarantee you that whenever you finally get your mind off the chaos of this and you focus your brain and your mind and your heart on him, he will give you a joy and a fulfillment and a peace about things, right? He will give you a reason to praise him. Uh, you will never regret it, and you will spend eternity with him, okay? This is your day. Don't, don't miss it. God, thanks so much for this day. God, thanks so much for your word. Thanks so much, um, God, for just the way that you are able to speak and move us through your word, especially through these uh, believers here in Antioch, God, um, that, that, that lived in such a way that earned the name Christian. Father, that we would um, not be swayed by this culture, that we would not be moved by uh, people's perceptions of what Christianity is, but God, that we would just live out truly what it means to follow you, to love you, and to be driven by that. God, let your word be a part of our lives. Let us submit to it daily. God, let us stand firm on, on, on uh, the truth. Of-